Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The View from Venus. My name is Mary Churchill, and on today's episode, I am joined by co-host Meg Palladino and guest expert Kim Burns, coach, consultant, and board member of the ACE Women's Network in Massachusetts. In today's episode, we'll be talking with Kim about her leadership work at community colleges, her work coaching women in higher ed, and what prompted her to become an independent coach and consultant. Kim, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited about this conversation. And Meg is going to kick us off with a fun question and get us started and warmed up. Go for it, Meg. All right. Welcome, Kim. I'd like to know what is the last great TV show or movie you've watched? So we started watching Ozark after it had come out. And this is not typically a show that I would watch because it's been described as murder and mayhem, and that is not my typical genre. But we went to a friend's house and had an Ozark marathon just this weekend. And we watched the whole second part, which I think were, you know, it was the last seven episodes or something like that. And the seat, you know, and the, the show's over. And it was so intense, but it was so much fun to watch it with our friends. I've heard great things about it. Meg, what about you? We're currently watching the new season of Stranger Things. Mm. Which we love. How is it? How about you? It's good. It's like a proper horror movie. It's creepy. But it's good. And it's something that like my son also likes. So we say, are you like... watching it with your son? Yeah, okay. Yeah, my son and our puppy and my husband and I, we like, we're just spending hours watching Stranger Things. It's fun. We were supposed to start it this weekend, but we ran out of time. But yes, Jack, my son, asked us, like, can we watch it? And I said, sure. But then I was like, okay, I'm going to bed. <laughs> I, when I was sick, I watched a ton of TV on my iPad because I was stuck in my bedroom and I had nothing else to do. I watched all of season one and started season two of Russian Doll, which I loved. And then I've been trying to teach myself French. So I've been watching this French series, Call My Agent. And I really love that too. So those are two shows that I'm what, like I've been watching recently that I really, really like. But Russian Doll season two starts in I think 1982. So the music's, oh my God, fantastic. So it's, the, it's in New York City, the hair, the clothes, everything is just, is filling my eighties kind of bug. Kim, you have held leadership positions in community colleges for over 20 years. What advice do you have for women thinking about working in community colleges or taking on leadership positions in community colleges? Community colleges are a great place to work. There are so many good people working at community colleges. And what I appreciate about the community colleges that they're mission-driven institutions. I mean, all of higher ed is, is mission-driven, but you know, the mission is special, the people are special, and there are lots of opportunities for women to take on leadership positions in community colleges. And they're also nimble and entrepreneurial and creative. And part of that is because, you know, community colleges serve the neediest students. But when you look at the per student state, you know, for state funding that they get, they get the lowest amount of funding. And so that really does result in, in creative ways of, of, you know, approaching serving students. And so there's just a level of entrepreneur, you know, an entrepreneurial feeling and a level of grit that is really uh, refreshing. 
for many years, I worked with students in a master's in higher ed program, and I would always encourage students to pursue, you know, community colleges. And a lot of times they never really considered that. But there are lots of opportunities, you know, community colleges often have a lot of grants, you know, that support students in different ways. It's a great place to start a higher ed career. And so I, you know, I've, I've encouraged students to, you know, to consider that. And, you know, for people interested in kind of getting into the community college, you know, for, for a position, really understanding the mission is really important. You know, it's supporting student success in so many different ways, whether that's transfer, career, technical education, you know, developmental education and understanding the role of that, supporting students with, um, who are, you know, with English for speaker, you know, for people who speak other languages. Community colleges are also really involved in workforce and economic development. Community college students tend to live and work in the communities where they, you know, got their education. And so community colleges are really involved in with municipalities and with employers and, and really, you know, being an engine of, of economic and workforce development. So there's just so many different opportunities, you know, and, and it's just, it's just, you know, community colleges serve the whole student. So there's, you know, lots of ways to work with students. I think community colleges have really shown how to support like basic needs. And, you know, it's interesting. I manage our higher ed program here at BU and my students, for the most part, very, very focused on equity, right? And and serving the most underserved students. And they did informational interviews this year and just were wowed by the community college staff members they talked to. But at the same time, we're very aware of the lack of resources, right? And so often they were talking to people who were doing multiple jobs and saw such great need, but didn't have the money to support students in the way they wanted to, or faculty. My students were mostly students of color, you know, kind of first gen students of color and really want to serve that population, but rightfully so are thinking like, is, is this a good first move for me? And so I think longer term and our, our editor at Inside Higher Ed has said this, like how do the larger, more well-resourced universities partner with community, like take on and support a local community college in some way, right? Because of all the reasons you outlined, you know, this is where our most diverse students are. This is where the workforce development for the region is happening. So we can't afford to continue to starve our community colleges, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're important engines of social mobility and economic development, not only for individuals, but for the region. And so I do think we are at an inflection point where we've, we've really got to figure this out. Right? So. Yeah, and over the past couple of years, community colleges have gotten more attention, you know, in, in recognition that um, of the role that community colleges play, but it hasn't resulted in increased funding. Yeah, 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 yeah. To be determined, right? Like, I'm like, okay, wheels turning, how to build my program, like, connect, all of that, so... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kim, you recently received certification for coaching, and I'd like to know what prompted you to make the move to be an independent coaching consultant. 
So I took, so I, my previous position was Dean of Academic Innovations and Professional Development, and I did coaching all the time, you know, whether it was supporting faculty for a new innovative program or, you know, staff who wanted to pursue a leadership opportunity, like I was always coaching and mentoring. So I took a coaching class to find out, okay, am I doing this right? You know, I, I wanted to make sure I was, you know, doing it in a high quality way, you know, and learn coaching tools and, and practices and, and all of those things. So I took my first course in fall of 2019. And then after the pandemic hit, I spent my nights and weekends doing coach training because I wasn't doing anything else while I was at home. And I absolutely love it. I have, um, you know, a background, I have a couple of degrees in psychology, but I never pursued the clinical route. And so I think this is a nice bringing together of my formal training and my desire to help women. I think the highest um, compliment you can give a woman is that she's a badass. And I really want to help women college administrators be as badass as they can be. And so I did a um, group coaching program and I had nine women administrators in it this spring. And we met once a week for six weeks and we did things like digging into core values and superpowers and strengths and, you know, what kind of negative self-talk uh, gets in our way. And it was magic, you know, seeing their uh, level of self-awareness increase, supporting each other, gaining that confidence. It was just magical. And so I wanted to be able to do that, you know, more of that. Um, also in my role, my team and I supported you know, pretty much the entire college to transition from, you know, being on campus for teaching and, and student support. And then, you know, we helped everyone move to online and remote. And, and so that definitely resulted in burnout. And, you know, so I'm able to support women in, in, a, in a dean's role, but I wanted to be able to do more of that. And it's worked out really well. And in addition to coaching, I've done some consulting. I helped a college with an inclusive strategic planning process. I'm working with a school district on a program evaluation. They're working to diversify their teaching staff. I'm helping to facilitate a faculty team that's working on professional development. So I, I, I all of this work truly brings me joy and it's, it's been a really great move. That's awesome. And my question, it goes right on top of that, which is really nice. So kind of pushing uh, a little bit because you started to talk about this, what kinds of themes do you see with your coaching clients for women in higher ed and recurring themes, right? And, and I coach women in higher ed as well. And so I think this is, it's, it's important as a sociologist, I always want to lift up the patterns, right? So I am really interested in the themes that you're seeing in your clients. So we're in, you know, people are calling the great resignation, but it's also the great contemplation. And, and that's what I'm seeing. Women who are trying to figure out what their next career move will be. And maybe it's not what they had always expected, you know, a traditional, you know, trajectory, like from Dean to a VP, you know, it could be the next move, but maybe it's not. And so really figuring out like, what do I want? What are my core values? What are my strengths? And what will be an opportunity that will bring all that together? And I just, I think some of the assumptions that, of things that we had to, you know, kind of put up with before is everything's on the table. And so, you know, just, it, it, I'm not a career coach, but it's that inner work before you get to the career search, you know, to, or to the, the job search. So figuring out how to align their lives in a way that, you know, brings fulfillment 
and and really leverages leverages their strengths, but also that they get just as much out of it in terms of fulfillment and in alignment with what they need for their lives. So that is that's a theme for the majority of my clients. Okay, I'm going to push on this. So I wasn't going to bring it up, but so because we both were somewhat on uh, tra- trajectories to be potentially college presidents, right? And for different reasons, we have both made pivots in, in different ways. And so what do you think's going on there? So not just for the two of us, but for many of your clients and mine as well, right? Why, what's going on for women in higher ed where they don't wanna move up towards the presidency? Some of them, I mean, you know, what do you think's going on? I see this in K through 12 in addition to higher ed and it's, those positions, you know, it's highly visible, highly critical, criticized, and there isn't a lot of support, you know, so, and I think people aren't able to make the change that they really want to make. I think the patriarchal structure of higher ed is, is, you know, an issue for a lot of women. So, yeah, so I think they, I think, you know, a lot of us are seeing, you know, what is really involved in those positions and it's not how we want to spend our time there i don't know if you've read about the co-presidency models that are out there no but i've always thought that co-leadership is i've read about it in the in a corporate environment and i think it's brilliant can you tell can you say more well so there are some institutions higher ed institutions that have had the co-presidency model and there is some work some research being done on this uh, seems to be a more attractive model for women and people of color. And I wonder, kind of coming out of COVID, I haven't looked into the research recently, but I wonder if there is a renewed push. Part of it is kind of this idea of sharing, right? But sharing the, the public pieces that are such an important piece of the leadership, but really getting your board and your uh, shareholder, your stakeholders to buy into a shared leadership model, which I think is the biggest hurdle that there are these outdated models in people's heads of what, what leadership looks like. And it is a single person who is a strong, charismatic leader who um, leads the institution, right? Or the company or whatever. And we are seeing different models in the corporate sector too, right? That this is just, it's its not as attractive to more diverse candidates and the up and coming generations as well. And so this idea of team leadership, shared leadership, co-presidencies at our institutions, I'm, I'm hoping that it takes off because I do think that to me, at least, that's a more attractive model. And I think some of the women I coach would find that to be a more attractive model than this single magnet for all the hate. <laughs> right, right. And imagine being able to leverage the strengths of, you know, two or more people, having people to, you know, where they would have each other um, to bounce things off of and, and, you know, lead in a way that is inclusive because their leadership is inclusive. So that's, that sounds, that sounds great. That sound wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it does, I think we will have to, if we were to move in that direction or for institutions that choose to move in that direction, it does mean rethinking 
the cabinet vice presidency pieces too. You know, do these two co-presidents like also take on some of the roles that a vice president might have taken on, right? Kind of what does that portfolio look like? So you're not just adding another position, right? Another very high level, high paid position, which many of our institutions really couldn't afford, you know, but. And with kind of our takeaways and can Meg, can I ask you to go first? Yeah, I mean, it's maybe a, a question or comment for both of you, but you, you talked about a pivot, but I noticed you've both pivoted to being like coaches. And I also have a colleague here at Yale who is learning to be a coach. She's, you know, and I am just wondering like, why is everyone pivoting to coaching? Am I missing something? Should I do that too? Like what? Maggie, I think you'd be a great coach. Like you, you're like Kim saying, you know, she's been coaching. You, you, you coach. You're just not trained as a coach. And, but you're the person everyone goes to. <laughs> At least I when know, I worked with you, they, they sure People didn't come to me. Yeah. They went to you. <laughs> I know. They want me. Yeah, and the pandemic has really opened up space for talking about mental health and therapy and, and, and different things, but coaching is part of that kind of big picture, but it's having someone who, you know, is not your family, is not your friends, is not a therapist, and can provide space for really, you know, thinking deeply reframing maybe how you're thinking about things and so it's another way it's you know it's another leg on the stool of of getting support and gen x forward you know the generations from gen x gen y you know millennials they've always had a coach maybe you know millennials and and gen y more and so it's just a kind of a natural thing where maybe generations before were more you know, individual, you know, I'm going to figure this out myself. So I think that I think, you know, generationally, more, more open about asking for support. I think those contribute to that. And coaching is getting more visibility. You know, the the whole field is just exploding in, in all different ways of, of coaching. So yeah, it's exciting. I think my big takeaway is around this partnership model, right? We, we need to have more innovative models. We need more innovative models to support our community colleges so we can get more of our young people and who are interested in supporting that population into the community colleges. We've got to figure out what the incentives are and, and how we can make that, that work. And then same thing with the presidency and leadership positions at our institutions. It's not, it's not sustainable, you know, and, and we can't, what we have right now is not very many people going for the roles, but you've got to hire someone. And so your pool is small and we're seeing even higher, faster turnover in these roles than ever before. And it, it, we just, we need a new model. And so maybe this collaboration, right? Kind of we've got to figure out how as a sector, higher ed works together to sustain community colleges, to sustain presidencies, to move forward into whatever the next era of higher ed looks like for us. So, yeah. Any last words, Kim, as we wrap it up? Well, to, to build on what you just said, we know that women do lead more collaboratively. And so why not change the structures to align with that? So I think that's brilliant.
I love that. Oh, and that's a great like high note to end on. Kim, thank you so much. That was fantastic. Listeners, as always, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with Marjorie Haas, president of the Council of Independent Colleges. <laughs>